Well, good morning, everybody. And it's great to be back with you again. Um, it's, uh, you were suffering 40-something degrees, I believe, here in England. Well, we had something similar. Uh, we went to Rome. Uh, we didn't see the Pope, but we did see his cathedral, actually. And, uh, I'll not go into all that. Uh, and I had, uh, with Daria, quite a few minutes sitting in silence in the very cell that the Apostle Paul wrote the last letter of his life to Timothy and then was taken out and killed, as was the Apostle Peter. Some very challenging moments. Then we went off to see Bosnia and Croatia, and uh, that was hot. But that was great, and it was great to renew friendships. In fact, some of them were in a monastery up on top of a hill that uh, was um, uh, higher than Mount Snowden. So it was uh, a wonderful opportunity to have fellowship and meet up with people. Anyhow, I'm going to do a talk that's sometimes called The Five Crosses, and I hope it helps you, but I hope that you can become engaged and involved. And I see some of the children as well, which it was originally designed for, but I've got something for grown-ups, so sit up and listen and make sure you can answer the questions, because we're going to start with a maths test. That's always the best way to get people going, and um, so uh, it was... The last day of school, and the teacher set a test for the class uh, on maths. And some of the children, and one in particular, were not very good at their maths. I hope you can all see this, because uh, you can perhaps work this out for yourself. And so the teacher said, what I want you to do is complete the nine times table. Make sure they can see it over here and you can get it all correct. And then I've got a very simple addition sum at the bottom. I hope you can read them. I'll read them out for you. So this particular pupil, we'll call him Jimmy, sat at the test, put his head in his hands, and fell down on his desk. He hadn't a clue. How was he going to answer this very difficult to test? What is the nine times table. He'd only got as far as the three times table, and he never listened again. So how do you do a nine times table? And as the exam went on, all the other kids were working away, and when the half hour came up, the teacher came back down, and he could hear her steps coming down. And all he could do, Jimmy said, is, I can't answer this, so I'm just going to put a zero for this. And... Uh, he sat there thinking about it, and as he heard the teacher's steps coming down the corridor, he thought, well, what of it? I'll just put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in, and see what, oh, that doesn't look very good. Ten times nine makes nine. That can't be right. Ah, I'll just reverse it. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, Three, two, one, zero. Ah, that's no good. I'll never get that one right, he thought. And then he looked at the last one. Two plus two equals... Oh, I've always been taught to count this on my fingers. So here we go. Two, right, plus two. And that, that's the fingers of your hand. Two, three, four, five fingers. Well, it must be five then, so he put down five. And then the teacher came back in with her big red marker pen and said, right, let's see how you've all done. Quite a few have got the nine times table wrong. But she then stared at Jimmy's and said, Jimmy, 
you're brilliant, well done, full marks. And then she looked, two plus two equals five. How did you get that one? That's wrong. So I'm going to put a big X through that. We'll come back to that. Let's see if we can get PowerPoint going. It's always the simple things in church that go wrong, isn't it? Here we go. Can we get oh, look, there we go. It's a wrong that needs to be corrected. What had the teacher done? She'd marked it with a cross. So we're going to be looking at five crosses and see what each of them mean and how they can perhaps tell us something a little bit about God and other things. So obviously it's a wrong that needs to be corrected because two plus two equals four. Actually, two times two also equals four, but I'm, near, I'm sure you worked that out. Uh, but it's a wrong that needs to be corrected. Does the Bible have anything to say about a cross that is wrong that needs to be corrected? Well, the Bible tells us inside it, when we look at it, we discover that it says, all have sinned. That's, we've all gone wrong, and we all fall short of the glory of God. We all get the exam question wrong, because every one of us has sinned. We've come short. And then it says, the wages of sin is death. That should make us all cross, because it makes God cross. Okay, well, let's move on. Let's see another type of cross. Can you spot one? Yesterday, I went to Tesco's, and I bought two birthday cards for my sister. She's having a big zero. But because she's a minister's wife, I'm not going to tell you what the front number is. I don't want to get... Because they go on YouTube just like us. Anyhow, at the end of the card, you will note that most of us finish it off, and we put a little cross after our message. Actually, when I write cards, particularly to some friends, I put a little Bible verse in as well. But I wonder what that cross means. Most of you don't do these cards any. I know people don't do cards anymore. So what they do is they send texts. And at the end of a text, I've noticed a lot of people put one or two crosses at the end. What does that cross mean? Anybody? I'll start with the younger ones. Anyone tell me what the cross is about? Yes, please, in there. Go ahead, shout it out. Oh, she's gotten a bit shy. You can... A kiss. Mm, a kiss indeed, does it? It means kiss, kiss. Why do we put kiss, kiss? Well, it's because we love them. And we want to say, I'm not going to write, I love you in full. Sometimes we do. I'm going to just do a little kiss. And it means, I love you. The cross means, I love you. Well, let's go back to the Bible and see if there's anything in that that helps us understand a bit more. Well, sure enough, it tells us we know and rely on the love God has for us. Isn't that brilliant? God loves us. In fact, even bigger, God is love. Why? Any love must all come from God. And he first loved us, not the other way around. He gave us kiss, kiss, long before we even heard about him. He loved us. Okay, let's move on. Now, I hope the military are sitting on their seats and sitting bolt upright, because I'm going to ask you a question on this one. 
Once upon a time, ambulances in the United Kingdom used to have a red cross on the side of them. I wonder, have you noticed, that has disappeared. I was driving down into Salisbury yesterday, and Daria was sitting beside me, and she checked. Sure enough, they don't do it anymore. Once upon a time, ambulances in Britain were white with a big red cross. But anyhow, that's what we have now because it's more fluorescent. And we know that it's coming. But we know that if somebody has been hurt in an accident, when an ambulance comes, help is on the way. But it does raise the question, what's the Red Cross all about? Right, here's the question for the military. Uh, ambulances actually weren't invented for taking people to hospital in cities. They were invented for the battlefield. And you'll notice the distinctive part in ambulance, they're bigger than many vehicles because they need space to put people on stretchers, but they have a big red cross on a white background. And of course, if there's bullets flying, you want to be on one of these. Tell me, anybody know the name of that vehicle? The Good Samaritan. That's called a Samaritan. That is a practice vehicle, you can see. And so the bullets will bounce off, but the patients inside, the soldiers who have been injured, will be helped. But where does it come from? What is the name of the battle that caused the start of the Red Cross? Shout it out if you know it. Can you even shout out which country you think started it? Where? Switzerland. Switzerland is where the Red Cross began. And well done. Solferino, I call it. Solferino was the battlefield. Here it is in Italy, where a French and Italian army under Napoleon beat an Austrian army under Franz Josef. And this man in the corner, Henry Dunant, was a Swiss banker and businessman. And he didn't see the battle, but he came afterwards, and as he looked round, he was absolutely horrified. Tens of thousands of wounded and dying soldiers. What could be done about it? And do you know what used to happen? The winning side and the villagers would come and steal from the bodies that were either dying or dead. And in some cases, they would finish them off. They would kill them. It was horror. And people were dying for no good reason if they had had some help. Henry decided to do something with it. And he went to his home city of Geneva and called a convention together. And he got a lot of rich friends, and they decided what they would do is they would try and persuade the world that it's not a good idea to look so poorly on humanity. We need to do something to help them. And so they came up with the idea of having ambulances and taking the dead off the battlefield also taking the living and healing them in hospitals. But somehow or another, they needed to make sure that they didn't get attacked. And because they were all Swiss, this is the flag of Switzerland. And they decided they needed a symbol to put on an ambulance or on a field hospital or on the arms of people who weren't combating in the fight so that people would know we don't shoot and kill them, and allow them to go onto the battlefield. And they reversed the Swiss flag from a white cross on a red background to 
a red cross on a white background. And in 1864, the Geneva Convention encouraged nations, and by within 40 years, most of the world's nations had signed up to looking after people. And the principles were as follows. Help and healing should be given for everybody, no matter what uniform they wore on the battlefield. And also protection should be given for hospitals, ambulances, and those receiving life. That's the origin of the Red Cross. But I wonder, does the Bible give us anything on that use of the cross as well? And sure enough, we realize that when Jesus came, help had arrived in this battlefield of our world. And Peter describes how the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Rescue is there. Jesus has come. And this cross, the red cross, can remind us that help came in his form and body on the cross. There's another cross that I'm going to show, though. You don't see this so much because things are done electronically. But once upon a time, and I still remember it, my father would get his pocket money, his work, and he got it every week in cash. Some of you may remember this. And we had a grocery store, and mum would go down and buy some food, and they would put some notes down of all that she'd bought and how much it cost. And on Friday, when dad turned up with the money, he would pay for the bill. It was outstanding, but whenever he paid it, they said paid, and they used to put a big cross on it, which means the bill is paid. The debt is forgotten. It is paid in full. It does not exist anymore. Isn't that wonderful what the Bible says? That that is possible? I wonder what's possible for us. It says that Christ died for ungodly. That is people who don't know him or even like him. But he died for all of us through that. And that God shows his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. On the cross, Jesus paid the price in full. And at the very last words of his death, he said these words, it is finished. Actually, that's what it sounds like in English. He said just one word, and the word he said is paid. I don't need to add the rest. That is what Jesus did for us on his cross. But let's see what these crosses are all about. The crosses that we have considered look at the fact that wrong has been committed and needs to be corrected, that love has been shown, that help and aid and protection, salvation is on its way, and that the debt has been paid. The cross of Jesus shows us exactly those things. He paid for all sin, for all time. He showed unbelievable, unremitting love. He has rescued, saved us from our sins if we trust in him. And he has paid the price in full for our sins. And he's done more than that. He's opened a way that we can enjoy and know this in our hearts. 
Barry said there are five crosses. Well, I've gone through four. You could say that the cross of Jesus is the fifth. It's not. There's another cross that is important, and this is something, again, that the Bible talks about. It's not this particular one, but once or twice every year, our church is turned into a ballot place, a, a, um, a place that you, you cast your vote. And our, our church hall, and at one stage it was actually this room, they lay outside for people to come and make their choice on a whole range of candidates. And what you must do if you're going to make your choice, you can only vote for one in many of them, you need to decide. You need to place your cross in one of the boxes against one of the candidates. The cross of decision is critical. I've explained the cross of Jesus, as is Barry, and all he's done. But there's another cross in this Bible, and it is this. Jesus said these words, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. You and I, if we wish to receive all these benefits, all this great love, all the pardon for sin, all the wickedness gone away, the debt forgiven. You need to make your decision. You have a role to take up, in imitation of Jesus, your cross. Now, it doesn't mean you've got to get a big cross like wood and carry it on your back. No, it's got nothing to do with that. It means you're following Jesus. You make that decision. We used to sing a little chorus that goes, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. So walking with Jesus, coming in alongside, putting your faith, your trust in Jesus is just as critical as all that he has done. It's decision time. It's your cross. It's your time to decide. Have you committed your life to Jesus? Have you thanked him for dying for you, for coming to save you and give you help, for protecting you and for forgiving your sins? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever put your name in there, Mary, Roy, Fred, Joe, Edith, whatever it is, whoever you who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Have you taken that step? Have you made that commitment? Have you thanked Jesus for dying for you? And have you received him into your heart? If you do, you suddenly realize that all he has done for you can be yours. Let's pray. We thank you, God, today for the cross of Jesus, that you loved us so much that you sent him to die on that cross to save us, to rescue us, to take away